0: Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. It's really good to be with you. Uh, Thank you, uh, Candice, for those warm words. Um, It's really a delight to be with you uh, as a congregation, uh, to be a witness to the unfolding of the Thrive community are uh, both here uh, in Voxburg, uh, and uh, I've also just come for the first time ever from sharing with the Thrive community uh, in Edenvale. Your Lani sibling. <laughs> <laughs> and greetings from Benoni. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to uh, read a passage of scripture to you, if I may. I love getting scripture out there, just right at the center uh, of our worship and in your thinking and in your mind and in your heart. And it's a very difficult theme that I've been given. Uh, Even if he doesn't, I will. That's the theme. And it's it's not an easy one. It's not an easy one. (laughs) So it'll come up on the screen, and uh, I'm going to read it to you. I'll read it very slowly. You follow me uh, as I read it, and keep your hearts open, keep your minds open to God. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here uh, while I pray. Just sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John. They were part of the inner circle. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply... Now watch these Watch these words. He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed. Again, that is such a powerful word. It's overwhelmed uh, with sorrow. To the point of death, he said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground. You have a sense of just exhaustion. He fell to the ground. And he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, he said, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. And then he returned to his disciples, found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you just keep watch for me just for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away, and then he prayed the same thing, the same prayer. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, is delivered now into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes the betrayer. We thank God together as a congregation so much for that moment uh, in the life of our Lord. And we pray that through that a moment, through that experience, that the word of God will come to us uh, today uh, as a congregation. Would you agree, friends, and uh, this is a question, would you agree that when it comes to our experience of God, when it comes to our experience of, of the Christian faith, and especially when it comes to our experience of prayer, we can have one of two kinds of experiences. On the one hand, would you agree? we can have very joyful experiences. Very joyful experiences. Experiences when it, it really seems as if God has heard our prayer and that in response to our praying, God has acted in a very significant way in our lives or in our family or at work or in our community. And we know, we know, we know, we know that what has taken place goes far beyond human effort and human energy. Someone else has been at work here. I'm sure you've had that experience, friends. And it's a joyful experience. I I wouldn't be standing here, I just wouldn't be standing here today if I did not have a number of those experiences uh, in my life. I'm sure you wouldn't be here if you had not had those experiences. On the other hand, would you agree that there come moments when we have very, very painful experiences? When it feels or it seems as if God has not heard our prayer. Where there seems to be almost like a silence from heaven. It's almost as if God is on mute. Uh, Last week, um, in our extended family, the extended family of my daughter-in-law, a three-year-old little boy got bitten. Uh, By a snake. And during the next few days, a number of us um, very intentionally prayed for this little boy. Great little guy. Some of us fasted. And then early this week, uh, he died. He died. What do you say in a moment like that to the family, to his mom and dad? What do you say? What do you say without being cliched, without throwing around religious language? What does one say? How does one respond? Even if he doesn't, I will. What do you say? And I'm sure that there are a few folk here, if not many, who find themselves in that kind of pain, in that kind of heartache, and that kind of heartbreak today. I'm not talking about God not answering selfish prayers. (laughs) We've all got our selfish prayers. (laughs) Eh? Uh, I never grew up in a Christian home, so I never, no one taught me how to pray. When I became a follower of Christ at 16, I started to pray. I thought this was quite lacquer. God's going to be on my side. <laughs> I love playing cricket. I remember when I used to come into bowl, uh, I would start to pray, Lord, can you help me get this guy out? <laughs> uh, please, Lord, come, come. Just, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. And... I didn't work too often, and uh, eventually it struck me that what happens if the guy who's batting is also a follower of Christ, and and he's saying, "Lord, will you not let this guy, you know, get me out?" Huh? Kind of pretty selfish. Huh? I want to win, Lord. Will you be on my side? I was watching the soccer yesterday, uh, Bafana versus the Nigerians, and I watched before the game. I love soccer. Um, some of the finer guys closing their eyes, and I can almost imagine, Lord, we need to win this. have got to get the Afghan, we've, we've got to win this. And then I saw some of the Nigerians walking around, praying, and I'm thinking, I wonder what God is doing here, South Africa or, not, or Nigeria? Huh? And I've got a hunch that God says, I'm staying out of this one. I, I'm just going to watch this game and enjoy it myself. <laughs> I'm not talking about uh, selfish praise. God won't God's not into that. God's not into me winning and you losing. God's not into that. Bad theology. God's not, you know, God's not into responding to prayers that go against his will, that go against his his heart, his character. Do you remember in the Gospels one day, uh, the disciples of Jesus said to Jesus, will you call call down fire on this village? (laughs) And Jesus rebukes them, doesn't answer their prayer. Because God is not going to act against God's own nature and character. Are we together? Are we together? And I'm not talking about lazy prayers. When we substitute prayer for action, I'm amazed how prayerful people come around exam time. I'm amazed. God, please, distinction. Uh, Distinction. As we party, as we listen to the latest podcast, as we go through our playlist, Lord, distinction. And the Lord is saying, just come on, get on with it and start studying. No favors. It's a lazy prayer. I'm talking about prayers that are in sync with God's heart. When you pray for healing, you're in sync with God's heart. When I pray for conception to happen with a couple who long for a child, I'm in sync with God's way and God's will. When we pray for deliverance from evil or for someone to come to know Christ or for someone to be delivered from addiction, we are in on what God wants to do, and it's confusing. It's confusing when it doesn't seem to happen. And cliches are not helpful in that moment. I've been around a long time with Jesus and with God's people. Cliches are not helpful. So when he doesn't, I will. How are we going to respond to that as a community today? And what I want to do, and I hope you find this helpful... I want to take you to a moment in the life of Jesus where we really get in touch with Jesus' humanity. We know that Jesus is fully God, fully human. We really get in touch here with his humanity, with his humanity. He's on the way to the cross. He knows he's the anointed one. He knows he's the Messiah. He knows he's the Christ. He knows that. And he knows that he has to lay his life down. He knows that. And there comes this dark moment, difficult moment, painful moment. And I stopped when I read to you to give you, to really for you to feel some of those adjectives. Distress, overwhelmed by sorrow, agitated. And we don't know It's too holy to move into what was going on in the heart and mind of Jesus. But we know it's a very painful, dark, and difficult place. We know that. And in the midst of that situation, he prays a 22-word prayer. And I want to hold that prayer before you today. I want to just put it right out there. And then I want us as a community to look at this prayer and to listen, just to listen to the word of God as it comes to us through this prayer into our heartache and into our heartbreak today. There it is. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup. He's referring to his death. Take this cup from me. Take it from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Will you notice, this is my first, first thing I'd love you to notice, Will you notice that in his moment of heartache, heartbreak, moment of darkness, moment of struggle, he comes to God as Abba Father. As Abba Father. Abba Father. Now you know, let me give you some background. You know that Jesus uh, was a Jew. He grew up in Jewish faith, Jewish culture, Jewish background, and you know that the Old Testament was Jesus' Bible. It was his Bible. And he often uses passages from the Old Testament to explain his ministry. Often. Often you find the words of the Old Testament on his lips. Now, in the Old Testament, there are many names for God. Many names. Do yourself a favor one day or one year and say, this year I'm going to study the names of God in the Old Testament because they tell us so much about God's character and God's nature. Beautiful names, beautiful names. Jesus doesn't use one of them. Not one of them. Not one. He uses a word that has never ever in human history been used for God before. Never. This is the first time in human history that the word "ever" is used. First time. Do your own study on that. It's a beautiful word, "ever." Daddy is not a good translation directly of it. It's it's much deeper, fuller, richer. When you say Abba, it's intimate, and yet there's also worship. When you say Abba, there is closeness, but there's also greatness. When you say Abba, it's familiar, but there's also reverence. a beautiful word. Abba. Abba. And when Jesus says Abba to God, he knows. What else does he know? He knows he's Abba's beloved. He knows from his baptism when the Father said to him, what did the Father say? You are my beloved and I delight in you and those words i have no doubt are reverberating in his heart every time he says abba i know i'm abba's i'm abba's son i'm abba's son he knows who god is and he knows who he is now you and me so often when it seems as if prayers are not answered We default, does that word make sense to you? We default into an inaccurate understanding of who God is. And we begin to say things like, God is against me, God's forgotten me, God doesn't care about me. That's our default. And we slip into it as soon as maybe a prayer we feel does not get answered. We go to our default. So, true story. I go to hospital to go see a man who for 40 odd years has been in a church worshiping. Intellectually, he's been saying, God is love. Yeah, God cares. His first sentence to me after 40 years of worship is this. I must have done something wrong for God to have given me this cancer. That's his default. That's what his heart feels. I don't want to be hard on him. We've all got our defaults. And so often we default into an understanding of God that is not accurate. It's not accurate. Intellectually, our God, God is good, God loves. But in our hearts, we feel something different. You're not for me, God. You don't care about me. You don't know my name. Can I share something with you? It's good news. Jesus Christ has come into this world to draw each one of us into the same kind of relationship with God as Abba that he had. Jesus comes into this world to tell us who God is and what God is really like. John chapter 14. Philip goes to Jesus, "Jesus, will you show us the Father?" What does Jesus say? "He who has seen me has seen the Father. I am showing you God's heart. It's an abba heart. But not only does Jesus reveal the Father, Jesus is the way to the Father. A little bit late, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. no one comes to the Father, to Abba, except by me. And that's what Jesus does, that as I open my life up to him and follow him, he draws me into a new relationship with God as Abba. As Abba. But more than that, he sends us his Holy Spirit, not into our heads, but into our hearts. Can I wave the Methodist flag for 30 seconds? Just 30 seconds. I promise, not longer. We have a wonderful, wonderful treasure that we love to share. It's called the doctrine of assurance that the deep work of the holy spirit Paul Romans chapter 8 that the holy spirit as we open our life up to Christ and as the spirit of God joins with our spirits we cry from the heart what ever father And in that moment, we know who God is, and we know who we are. And when God doesn't, I will remember who God is, and I will remember who I am. Abba and Beloved. Abba and Beloved. Can we go back to that prayer? Jesus praying, Abba, Father. And then he prays, everything is possible for you. Everything, everything. Jesus Jesus knows, let me put this very simply, Jesus knows that God is always, always greater. Always greater. (laughs) Always greater. One of my favorite psalms, read it when you go home. Psalm 145. Verse 3, great is the Lord, great is the Lord, and worthy to be praised. No one, no one, not even you, can fathom his greatness. No one. No one. Sometimes our greatest sin is we downsize God. (laughs) We downsize God. And we want God to fit into the way we see things. We want to fit God into our own experience, our own doctrine, our own church. God is always greater, always greater. For a long time, I thought God was a Methodist. I did for a long time. And then suddenly, you know, God had to teach me a few things. Hey, Trevor, I'm much greater. I'm much greater. Much greater. Our perspective as human beings, can I just remind us, we are creatures. Our perspective is very limited. Very limited. Very limited. Paul says we look at life as though in a mirror dimly. We don't see, we have a very limited perspective on life. You know, I'm, wait for it, I'm 68. I've got a perspective now on my 20s. I didn't have when I was in my 20s. And I look back to some of my prayers that I prayed in my 20s. Thank God God didn't answer them. (laughs) Thank God. I wanted to marry my first (laughs) girlfriend. Like, Lord, please, please, will you change your heart? I just want us to get together, Lord, please, please. No, it didn't work out. Now I look at Debbie and I say, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. You won't believe this. You won't believe what I'm going to say now. I wanted to be a jockey. <laughs> and I used to pray, Lord, Throughout when I was 16, 17, Lord, will you keep me short, keep me, keep, keep me thin, keep me, keep me, I want to be light, I want to be able to ride. I used to, you know, and then I kept growing and growing and growing and growing, and I, I've got a perspective on that now. I still love horses, but I've got a perspective. It's, it's a little bit clearer, not, not 100%, but a little bit. And one day, one day, there will be a perspective that is eternal, where we see things from an eternal perspective. It doesn't take the pain away. It doesn't, it doesn't take the heart away. It doesn't take, but it's another perspective. It's eternal in which we will come to understand and know the wisdom and the goodness and the care and the deep love of God for our lives. God is always greater, always greater. The God of the cross, Jesus was going to the cross, is also the God of the resurrection. God does God's greatest work in a graveyard. And the worst thing that can happen to us Is not the last thing. It's not the last thing. The last word. Will always belong. To the God that we have loved. And worshipped. Who is the God of the resurrection. And who always acts. In the graveyard. Always. Can I say one more thing. Let's go back to that. When it seems as if, you know, prayers are kind of bouncing back. God is on mute. God is silent. There seems to be no movement in this. We hold on to who God is and who we are. We open our lives up to a very deep experience of God's spirit in our life. We worship the God who's always, always greater. Always greater than our experience, greater than our perspective, greater than our doctrine, greater than our, always greater. And then did you notice that last bit of the prayer? The last bit. Jesus, watch this, watch this. I've learned so much from Jesus here. How he holds together honesty, deep honesty, and deep trust. Together, he's, he's absolutely honest. Can you see that? God, take this cup from me. I don't want to drink it. I don't want to drink it. Take it from me. He stays engaged with the Father. He's telling the Father what's on His heart and what's on His human heart in that moment is I don't want to drink this cup. And there are times when it seems as if God has gone AWOL from our life. We've got deep feelings, feelings of disappointment, feelings of being let down, feelings that this is unfair. It's unfair that a three-year-old child die. It's unfair. And we feel that, and we are invited to be honest with the Father about it. We share the honesty of our heart. We share it. It's called lament. We lament because we're in pain. And you may say to me, and this is a great question, you may say to me, Trevor, what's the use of that? What's the use of it? What's the use of telling God how I feel? Let me tell you. I've got two kids. They're in their 30s. There are times when I know They are going through a very painful time. I know, and I'll say to Debbie, hey, our son's in a tough space, or our daughter's really in pain. I, as a father, as a parent, I can suss out what's going on in their hearts. Often, often, often. Not all the time, but often. And then we'll go out for coffee, and we'll be sitting, I'll be sitting with my son, and then my son says to me, dad, I'm really, um, I'm really struggling at the moment, and I'm really, I'm really brokenhearted. Now, I know that. I don't say to him, I don't say to him, you don't have to tell me, I know. I don't say that. Why don't I say that? It's not about information. This is about relationship. He's opening his heart to me. He's saying, Dad, share my heartache. And he's letting my love enter into his pain. And as a result of his sharing, our relationship goes on a different trajectory into the future as it would have done if he had not shared. And he experiences me in a different way as to how he would have if he had not shared with me. I still would have loved him, but he would not have experienced my love as he does when he shares his heart. He's giving me access, access. And when I'm honest with God, I give God access. And I experience in my heartache and in my heartbreak, I experience more deeply the loving presence and the caring presence of God in my life. And Jesus combines this honesty with this deep trust. Father, I want you to take this cup from me but not what I will. I really want to stay close to what you want. Your will. Your will. And in that moment, have you? Do, can you notice this? Jesus reverses the prayer that was prayed in the first garden in the Bible. When Adam and Eve said, God, not your will, ours be done. And in this garden, the garden of Gethsemane, there is a reversal of the prayer that is prayed in the first garden. I think, friends, I think, and I'm going to move towards the close here. I think that when it feels as if God is not responding, in that moment, we face a choice. We face a choice. I faced that choice again this week. It's a choice. And it's a choice to say, God, I'm never going to trust you again. I'm not going to talk to you again. This is over between us. I'm out of this. I'm out of this. I feel let down. You have been deeply unfair. And this is the end. And I can understand people who say that sometimes. I can understand that. All I know is that it leads to greater darkness. It leads to greater darkness. But there is another choice where I say to God, God, I think this is unfair. I am heartbroken by this, devastated by this but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to trust that you're Abba, and I'm going to to keep living as your child. I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep following you, and I'm going to keep trusting that you're not only the God of the cross, but you're God of the resurrection, and that the last thing that happens, the worst thing that happens will not be the last thing. And I think some of you are right in that moment, right now, right now. And I pray for you and I pray for myself that God will help us to make that choice that leads to life ultimately in all its fullness. When God doesn't, I will. I will hold on to who God is, Abba. And I will hold on to who I am. Abba's child, beloved. And I'll always know that God is greater than my perspective. Always, always, always. And I'll be honest, I'll be honest. I I won't wear masks. And I will trust and I will follow. God bless you, friends, as you wrestle with these things. Amen. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.